The Mayo Clinic Talks podcast team would like to take a moment to thank our service members for their efforts and their sacrifices. We'd also like to thank the families and friends that support them. Memorial Day is a day for remembrance, and to those who've gone before us, we'd like to say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. You are not forgotten. This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Women now represent a substantial number of all active duty forces in the United States. The healthcare needs of these women are somewhat different than our male veterans. A recent report indicated that women veterans have a 250% greater risk for suicide than civilian women. And they also represent one of the fastest growing homeless populations in the United States. We'll discuss some of these alarming statistics, as well as the specific health care needs that our female veterans should be receiving. Joining us today is Ashley Laganer, a county veteran service officer in Olmstead County within Rochester, Minnesota. Ashley, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can we start by you sharing with us uh, a little bit about your military experience and what you've done? Absolutely. I'm a third-generation soldier. I served in the Minnesota Army National Guard from 2002 to 2006. Um, Typically, uh, the National Guard is at least a six-year commitment. However, I sustained an injury in basic training and was discharged early. Um, So I've been a disabled veteran since I was 19 years old. Um, So that led me to a career in veteran services, which I've been doing for about 10 years now. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the demographics of female veterans any idea how many or what percentage of our U.S. veterans are female? Yes. Currently, women comprise nearly 10% of the approximately 2 million currently living veterans in the U.S., a number expected to increase to 16% within the next 25 years. Women veterans are more racially and ethnically diverse than male veterans, more likely to be divorced than their male counterparts or civilian women, less likely to be married and five times more likely to be in a dual-service member marriage than men. Overall, this means women veterans are less likely to have a family support system than married military men generally have. Compared to men who have served, women veterans are younger, have a lower median income or no income, and are more likely to live in poverty and qualify for food stamps. In addition to homelessness or home instability, women veterans are more likely to have custody of their minor children compared to men. But despite all of this, women veterans are typically more educated than male veterans or civilian women. What's happened with the number of women in the military? Are the numbers increasing? They are, absolutely. Um, We have seen the number of women serve in the military grow exponentially throughout history. From 1,500 during the Spanish-American War to 400,000 serving in World War II when all hands were on deck. Until 1967, women remained a very small minority of the armed forces population due to legislation that imposed a 2% gap cap on women's participation in the military. Today, women constitute 15% of the active duty military and 19% of the Guard and Reserve. Almost 280,000 women have served post 9-11 in Iraq and Afghanistan. What's the current status on women serving in various roles in the military. Uh, Are there restrictions in what females can do versus males? 
There have been. Women have found a way to serve in or in support of our military long before our nation was a nation. During the Revolutionary and Civil Wars, women cooked for troops in the camps, worked as nurses and seamstresses, or even dressed as men to fight. In World War II, 70% of women held what may have been referred to as traditional female jobs, as typists, clerks, and mail sorters. Others drove trucks, repaired airplanes, rigged parachutes, flew aircraft, and taught men how to fly them, worked with artillery gunners, and served as radio operators. In World War II, there were separate units for each branch of women. They were really segregated from the men. The Coast Guard Women's Reserve, known as the SPARS, the Women's Army Corps, or WAC, the Naval Women's Reserve, which was better known as Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service, or WAVES for short, and the Marine Corps Women's Reserve. In Vietnam, a great majority of the women who served were nurses. During the first Gulf War, the direct combat probability coding system was utilized to place females in jobs that limited their exposure to direct combat, but we know that didn't necessarily happen, as 41,000 women during the Persian Gulf War deployed to a combat zone. In 2015, though, all 220,000 military occupations across all branches open to women, including combat roles, so that women are no longer restricted from any roles anymore. Mm-hmm. Those are the policies does that does that happen? Do you see as many women in combat zones as as men? Although the percentages, I'm sure, are different. Uh, yes, um, women are currently integrating into uh, the roles such as artillery and mm-hmm. infantry and things like that. There's regulations being placed as such as women have to. Um, step into leadership positions first before lower enlisted women Mm -hmm. can enter into those roles so that um, there's safeguards in place for those lower enlisted women. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the healthcare needs of the female veterans. Has any work been done into looking into that? Are there specific needs that female veterans need? VA studies have shown that women have similar rates of physical conditions, but higher rates of some mental health disorders, such as mild and major depression and adjustment disorder. And women utilize the VA more for reproductive health needs. Uh, Women are most likely seen at the VA for musculoskeletal injuries, OBGYN and mental health. Okay. Can military service impact a female's reproductive health? Has there been evidence of that? It can. From chemical and environmental exposures to blast injuries to mental health, male and female veterans are experiencing reproductive health issues. More research is currently being conducted on these issues. Public law allows male and female veterans who qualify due to a service-connected disability that results in their inability to procreate without the use of fertility treatment to utilize in vitro fertilization services at VA expense. These services have been added to the suite of infertility evaluation and treatment services covered by VA, which includes testing, hormone therapies, corrective surgeries, ultrasound evaluations, intrauterine insemination, cryopreservation, and storage of embryos and gametes afforded under public law 115-141. You mentioned the VA system. Uh, Do female veterans feel comfortable using the VA system? Um, That is increasing. The VA system has historically served primarily men. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are providing more comprehensive health care for women. And um, more women are currently utilizing the VA than than have in the past. Good. Are there specific programs the VA system has set up for females? Absolutely. As I mentioned, VA provides comprehensive health care for women. um, But as of right now, they do not provide obstetric care. This care is provided in the community at VA's expense. 
Each VA medical center employs a maternity care coordinator to facilitate communication between VA and the community provider of maternity care, ensuring record transfer, providing support and education for pregnant women veterans, as well as supplies such as nursing bras, lanolin, support belts, and breast pumps, and reestablishing care back at the VA facility after birth of the child. Currently, uh, the VA pays for care up to seven days after the birth of the child, and then they reestablish that care back at their home VA facility. Each healthcare center also employs women veteran program managers to assist female veterans in navigating that large healthcare system to serve as their advocate and conduct outreach to connect with more women and inform them of VA healthcare benefits. Many medical centers have designated women's clinics with separate waiting rooms and providers. Although the VA has increased their number of gynecologists on staff in recent years, the reality is that some medical centers do not have one on staff, so that care must also be referred to community providers. That was the next question I was going to ask. So all of the VA system is not fully equipped to handle Correct. A lot are, you know, introducing mammography suites and Mm -hmm. gynecologists. In Minneapolis, we're very lucky that we have a wonderful women's clinic and mammography suite and gynecologists. However, the reality is that some hospitals just don't have the space. They're constantly renovating, but, um, you know, there's always budget and um, it's a federal system that, Mm -hmm. you know, is congressionally mandated. So... So if a particular VA system in the community doesn't have the equipment and the uh, expertise for female veterans, they may have to travel a fair distance to find it. They might, or there's you know current um, acts in place for that care to be provided in, into the community at okay. VA expense. Mm-hmm. Right. This is Dr. Sharon Hayes. Join me and other leaders at the upcoming Equity and Inclusion in Healthcare Conference, hosted October 25th and 26th, right here in Rochester, Minnesota. Course highlights include evidence-based processes to identify and address bias, roundtable discussions and experiential workshops, and development of new skills to increase the recruitment, retention, promotion, and development of talent within diverse workforce populations and our patient population. For more information, visit ce.mayo.edu slash equity2019. Catch us weekly at Mayo Clinic Talks as we discuss best practices and burning questions. Subscribe today using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. So how do healthcare providers determine if a patient is a veteran? Many female veterans do not identify as a veteran for some of the reasons we discussed today. Asking if uh, a woman served in the U.S. Armed Forces rather than are you a veteran can really help a woman um, disclose if she served in the military. Once you've established if a female patient has served in the military, being aware that veterans may qualify for VA health care and very possibly that care may be cost-free, as well as compensation for the condition that you may be treating is helpful. Do you think there's a fair number of women who don't realize that they have services available through the VA system? Absolutely. Women are um, proportion, you know, disproportionately using their benefits in comparison to male veterans. Okay. All right. So what approach should we take uh, in assessing the needs of our female veterans? What special questions should we be asking? Uh, what needs do you have that we're not asking about? I'm asking 
those different service questions. As I mentioned, that women are not necessarily identifying as a veteran. So asking if they served in the, in the armed forces or, or had have any military service mm-hmm. um, can be very helpful because due to um, some different sexual traumas or different stressors, women may not be identifying as a veteran or due to their length of service or where they served, um, women sometimes have a hard time disclosing their military service. Are there emotional needs that come from serving in the military that often aren't addressed? There are. Um, women are about 50% more likely to develop PTSD due to some of these stressors that you know we may also discuss. Um, so there are some more psychological needs. And if we don't ask about them, they may not get discussed? Correct. Okay. All right. You mentioned military sexual trauma. Can we go into that just a little bit? I know it's a sensitive subject, Mm -hmm. but how common is sexual harassment of females in the military? Unfortunately, it is common. Um, The Department of Defense, or DOD, and VA use the term military sexual trauma, or MST, to refer to sexual assault or harassment experienced during military service. Anyone can experience MST regardless of gender. MST includes any unwanted sexual activity, including but not limited to being threatened or pressured into unwanted sexual activities, such as threats or promises of better assignments, sexual contact without consent, such as being asleep or intoxicated, being physically forced to have sex, being touched in a way that makes one feel uncomfortable, repeated comments about one's body or sexual activities, threatening or unwanted sexual advances, In 2016, one in 23 military women survived sexual assault. One in five active duty women reported they experienced sexual harassment or a sexually hostile work environment. And one in four women veterans reported they suffered sexual trauma while serving in the military. In fiscal year 2017, the military reported a nearly 10% increase in sexual assault reported from 2016, despite continued efforts to decrease events. Now note that these are all reported events. Mm -hmm. Um, It's extremely common for these events to go unreported for fear of retaliation. Survivors of MST are at increased risk for depression, alcohol abuse, and PTSD, and report more chronic health problems and a greater degree of impaired health than other women veterans. And this impact isn't confined to the survivor alone, but can affect interpersonal relationships as well, affecting marriages and impeding trust, socialization, and healthy sexual relationships. Given the fact that a certain percentage of women are reporting these episodes Mm -hmm. and we don't know how many are not reporting, do you consider this a significant problem in the military? It is. And I believe that, you know, DOD and VA does as well, which is why, you know, they're constantly working to decrease these events. Mm -hmm. Are appropriate steps being taken? They are. There's programs in place. There's coordinators in place to assist women and male veterans in reporting these events. Do you see things getting better? I feel that that they are, but unfortunately... They're still occurring. They are. Yeah, okay. Finally, one last question. Mm-hmm. What would you like to tell primary care providers things that we need to know about providing health care for female veterans? Um, just... Continuing to um, attempt to fill in those gaps, um, asking if women served in the military. Um, There was a uh, RAND study in New York State that uh, determined that only 2% of private sector providers had the knowledge and skills 
to provide high quality care to veterans. Uh, quality was defined as applying clinical practices, uh, guidelines, routinely screening for common conditions in veterans, and accommodating patients with disabilities, familiarizing with military culture, and screening for military service and deployment health concerns. So just really familiarizing yourself with military culture mm -hmm. and possibly deployment health concerns, which is why a lot of veterans continue to go to the VA, because that's the business VA is in, is, is treating veterans. Sure. Um, so non-VA healthcare by Providers could really seek out education and training resources, as well as aligning with or exceeding VA standards for adequacy of women's health services and timeliness standards for wait times and routine and urgent care. Um, also, once you have determined that a woman or a female patient is a veteran, um, again, being aware that they might qualify for VA health care. Um, and again, that that care could be provided in the community. For instance, in Minnesota here in Rochester, um, we're more than a certain number of miles from a VA facility, so they still may be able to um, get some of their specialty care here at Mayo mm -hmm. Clinic. So um, just coordinating with that veteran and their service officer, such as myself, um, to work on that community care uh, with the VA facility. So referring that veteran back to their service officer to file a claim for benefits and enroll in their VA health care. In Minnesota, veterans can be referred to a county veteran service officer by reaching out to macvso.org, which stands for Minnesota Association for County Veteran Service Officers. And nationally, veterans can find their service officer by visiting nacvso.org, which stands for National Association of County Veteran Service Officers. Ashley, are there any resources that healthcare providers might use to uh, help our female veterans? Yes, the VA Women's Health Research Network, an entity of the VA Health Services Research and Development Service, was formed to specifically further research into women's health issues, and they've conducted studies into reproductive health, primary care and prevention, complex chronic issues, long-term care and aging, deployment health, and much more. So the documents and research there would be extremely helpful. We've been discussing health care disparities and specific health needs in primary care for female veterans with Ashley Langanair, a county veteran services officer in Rochester, Minnesota. Ashley, thank you for sharing this information with us, and thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.